You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Hello and welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast. This is episode 37 already. I'm Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for the site, and once again joined by Cameron Crane, executive editor for tvobsessive.com. In the words of Rose, it's going to be one of those kind of nights, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking today about the finale of True Detective uh, Night Country, AEAA Part 6. Um, again, no episode titles on these, which we've done before. Uh, so we'll be digging into that in the latter part of the podcast here today. As per usual, first, we'll talk about some things of Connor I in the news recently, what we've been watching a bit, and uh, and so on. Um, this will go out on Sunday night, right after True Detective Air. So that's February 18th. We're recording a little bit early, so hopefully nothing happens between now and then <laughs> uh, that makes us look stupid. We're not talking about it, but uh, <laughs> anyway, what what caught your eyes in the news uh, this week, Ryan? Well, well, what a segue because something we missed by mere minutes last week when we recorded is the announcement of season three of The Bear officially coming it's this true. June. Um, I mean, this is this is great because this is you know we're, there's so many shows now that we're are year and a half, two year delays in between seasons. This is not going to be three seasons of the bear in three summers. And I'm I'm stoked that we're already getting that that confirmation. Yeah, really exciting. Longtime listeners know that we both love the show. We did some mm-hmm. episodes on it, you know, when season two came out, went back to season one a bit. Uh and yeah, we missed it by an hour or something. Yeah, you know, because maybe. actually we put out the pot on Friday last week because they were um you know putting out True Detective early and so I was in the process of getting edited and all of that, but you know we'd already recorded, so there wasn't like I could have recorded like something on my own, like <laughs> and also the bear. You just ADR yourself into the yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, really looking forward to that. Then and um, I felt that I saw some um, sort uh, poor sweet soul saying, "Oh, and it says premieres. That means it'll be weekly." And it's like, no. No, you are actually incorrect. <laughs> yeah, they, they've already come out and said we're going to drop it all at once, just like. Unfortunately, I yeah. think it's unfortunate, you know, and we'll have to see um, what else is going on this summer when it comes out, and like where we're at in terms of what we're covering on this and so on. I presume you're going to want to talk about it on here. I am absolutely. Um, being that's the whole season at once, though, it, it presents <laughs> a challenge for things like this. Do we cover the whole season at once? Where you know. Um, we could, in theory, still go episode by episode, but the timing just gets odd. Yeah. So you know, it, I remember last summer we we sort of made the editorial decision. So I wrote about episode one, yeah, and then I wrote about episodes two through nine, yeah, and I wrote episode ten. It's like, oh my god, we just I had to like compile all that meat that happened in two through eight into like you know fifteen hundred words, and it just like did not do it service at all yeah i mean it's like it's it's not a bad plan in general and trying to approach things released in this way but with the bear season two in particular it was kind of like oh well that worked but that means you didn't have the chance to like really dig in on fishes really dig in on forks you know and and same thing we covered it on the pod in a similar sort of way i think we did the first half of the season and the second half of the season on the pod so one way or another though that's pretty quick and that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. That's that's, I, I have I have 
no no doubts, no worries about their writing about what they'll put together. So yeah, just couldn't be more happier to get that that news. Uh, there are things that are coming out, you know, much <laughs> much farther past twenty twenty four. We've got some of those on on the list. Well, the, the one that really you put on here that really caught my eye is Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah, this will now be what almost three years. In yeah, between between, between seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is one, to my understanding, that was delayed because of the strikes. Um, and so they're resuming production and so on. That That's the good news. But the prediction is eh, next year. You know, this is going to be 2025 sometime. Um, and that is three years between seasons, of course. Speaking for myself, I'm way further behind than that. I don't know about you. Do you want to say I made so? I I am caught up. Um, it th- there was a sort of precipitous dip after season three, so four and five to me were not nearly as good as the first three. Um, but season five ended in such a way where I really wanted to see season season six or how they were going to <laughs> yeah. wrap, wrap this thing up. It's like, oh god! Now three years, literally, we're going to be waiting in between this cliffhanger that they left yeah. us on. And so it goes. I it's perpetually been on my list as something to get back to mm-hmm. because I started watching it when it came out, and at a certain point, I just stopped. Like I didn't really decide to stop, but if I had to explain it, it kind of felt a little too close to reality for me, or something. Yes, and it was just depressing me to watch the show and it was like making me anxious and and um i don't know like arguably it's even closer to reality now but i don't know it's it's a good show i mean it is it is good and and actually i don't remember if this was referenced here the sequel to the handmaid's tale called the testaments is moving forward and might actually come out the same year as the final season of handmaid's tale uh so this is discussed for some time i think initially it was a let's give it a year or year and a half to breathe in between the two they might come out almost simultaneously that would be interesting well or maybe they'll just hold off yeah until after the handmaid's tale um similar news so that's the last season of the handmaid's tale we know that uh we also got the news uh just the other day that season four of evil on paramount plus is going to be the last season and this is something that people are disappointed about. Like people involved with the show are disappointed about. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a great and, tweet by one of the was it one of the actors of the show? <laughs> like, yeah, they like Netflix. You up? You uh... yeah, uh, Katja Herbridge, who, who's kind of like the lead. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, way, I'm way behind. I've seen the pilot of the show and and nothing else. Yeah, it's good. I've been. Um, we talked about it down here before. I think. So I started watching it maybe this fall, and uh, I haven't caught completely up yet, but I probably will prior to season four. And then, I, I mean, on the plus side, I guess they're giving them four more episodes to wrap it up. So that's something. That's something. Um, I don't know what the chances are in 2024 that Netflix or something actually would pick the show up, unfortunately. I feel like we've moved beyond that a little bit. It got sufficiently in the zeitgeist for everyone to think hey, that might happen to anything. Yeah, and exactly. what does it happen to? You know, like Manifest. That was a year or two ago. And then yeah, Blacklist. That was about it. Well, and you've still got, I also saw something, I didn't put it in our notes, but I saw something this week about Hannibal. Um, okay. Where uh, Maz Mickelson was saying, like, still totally want to do it. Brian Fuller still totally wants to do it. 
someday I think we're going to do it. It's like, <laughs> there's absolutely no indication that you're going to yeah. do it. You know, there's yeah, no absolutely. indication that any production company is going to order it. I yeah. think even as recently as last year, I thought along these lines that, yeah, you know, there's this show is too good or has too much of a sort of groundswell of popularity that someone won't pick it up. But now you look at things being cut, things merged, things, you know, the Acme movie being thrown in the trash, you, you know, just mm-hmm. these things are cutting costs and no one's just eager to go pick up things and just, sure, we'll take, take, a, take a chance on it. Yeah, there have also been some other announcements recently of things being canceled. I didn't compile a comprehensive list. Um, it's interesting, as we've been doing this, as you said, this is our 37th episode. And when we started, then <laughs> it was the writer's strike, then it was the actor's strike, and, you know, we were mostly talking about that. Right now, it seems like there's just a ton of stuff being announced um, coming up in the future, and there's a ton of stuff that's being announced in terms of cancellations, unfortunately. Maybe not a ton, but again, I didn't compile a comprehensive list. So we're kind of, just to be clear, highlighting the things that really caught our eye and people can always go read the trades themselves, you know, and, and so on if you want to get more information. Oh, where should we go? What about some other things coming up? Uh, you see that new X-Men 97 trailer? Yeah, uh, yeah, and did you? I was, I was, I wanted to ask you on this. Did you used to watch the cartoon? Because I did some, but I can't say I was super into. Man, it. you know I watch these these cartoons. <laughs> this, this is like catnip, man. This is this is this is my stuff. I, I cannot wait for <laughs> for for this. I mean, we got some, some really interesting Marvel news and trailers this this week, but I I just cannot wait to feel thirteen again and go back to this go back to this show. Yeah, I mean, it is in my mind being who I am who is someone who never really got into comic books, although I, I toyed with it at one point a little bit, and it just didn't, didn't grab me the, the right way. So for me, this is the like origin point when someone mentions X-Men. Like This is yep. the first thing I think of is this uh, animated series from the 90s. Yep. Um, and then the second thing I think of is the live action movie with you know Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and all that that yeah. came later, so... Really interesting. Like, I guess this is going to pick up after that series ended, basically. Yeah, that, that's my impression is that they're going to be maybe some jump in time, but it's sort of in the continuity of that series. Some of the original people are coming back back to do the voices. And apparently Theo James, who everyone fell in love with in White Lotus, is playing some sort of secret character that they're keeping under wraps, but they say is a fan favorite. So, hey, you know, this is the stuff I live for. I can't, can't wait for it. Does that, does that imply that it's a character who wasn't in the cartoon before it must be they're saying fan favorite character that they're keeping a secret i think the characters that we know of from before are all in the trailer so i don't know who it would be interesting very intriguing very intriguing uh, other things coming up we've been on the suits beat so i Ooh. thought i'd hit this just for that reason uh they cast uh steven amell and suits la so some people are happy about this other people are less happy i mean of course he made some headlines with the strike over the summer Yes. Um, uh, known primarily to me as the lead in Arrow. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched Arrow. Eight and years Arrow. of Arrow, right? Or something like that. It's a crazy long show. Arrow, yeah. I stopped watching Arrow at a certain point. All of those CW DC shows I got into, and there was one point where I was I was up to date on Arrow and The Flash and uh, what, what else is there? Legends of Tomorrow and... At a certain point, I just got kind of worn out and it got yeah. too much multiverse stuff. And maybe even more so, it got too much the recurring trope of the members of the team 
<laughs> getting into difficulties because they didn't communicate well, and then at the end deciding that that was really a problem. They need to be sure to communicate better in the future, and you know they all make up, and then they do it again. And I got I started getting a little frustrated. Never got into those, but well, just like I never got in, got into suits. But uh, this guy's going to have a new life, as you know, something as we know that has had billions and billions of minutes watched in this past year or so yeah his most recent thing was this show about wrestling called heels that was on stars uh, oh, they got okay. canceled um which i heard was quite good at least from people who are wrestling fans um and that was the one where it was like during the strike he was upset that he couldn't promote his show that was yeah. heels um so yeah i don't know suits la i mean i guess he's going to be a lawyer yeah so. Yeah. lawyer by day uh arrow, arrow by night I, I mean who knows we can cross over the universes yeah yeah speaking of uh, crossing over universes you uh you you put a good note on here about something that there's been some discussion about noah holly yeah does who produces fargo and now work on the new alien show are these things are these shows now mutually exclusive of one another we can only have one and not not the other I mean, it kind of sounds like this, and I don't know, I don't know to what degree this is news or something you just kind of figure out on your own. And so far as, of course, no, Holly has to figure out how he is spending his time and so on and so forth. But it really does sound like, with some interview um, snippets from the uh, exact at FX, that they're thinking, well, we have this alien show in the works. We hope it's good. We hope we keep making multiple seasons of that. And so who knows if there'll be more Fargo. But it does seem like they're saying if Noah Hawley says, hey, I've got an an idea for a new season of Fargo, they'll be up for it. So um, I guess I I thought we should on this. We talked about Fargo on the podcast, of course, and I mentioned the Alien show, um, maybe particularly with regard to Fargo. It really does sound from this like it's a open question whether there will ever be any more and the answer might be no yeah and that would be disappointing to me as much as a fan I, I am of the alien franchise and think that noah holly could do a good job with that property i mean let's do the the true detective model you got enough of an reputation and anthology built up give, you know give the next isa lopez a chance to do a fargo series if noah holly wants to concentrate only on only on alien i mean He's going to label himself as just the, I mean, the Fargo guy who understands the sentimentality and that, you know, for what needs to be part of that season. But maybe they can find somebody else. I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Noah Hawley is one of the few out there who feels like this kind of auteur showrunner or, or fashions himself to be such at very least. Um, and I mean, I think it fits as Works pretty distinctive. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes and how many people are contributing. Lots of people contribute to TV shows, you know. But between Fargo and then also Legion, you know, there's a way in which his name seems to be attached to the things he works on in big letters. And so I wonder all the people. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. I'm not against what you're saying, you know. Uh, yeah. Hand off to someone else. Join the Cohen brothers as producers and you know, let someone else run with it and see what they do. That could be cool. Yeah. Why don't we type a couple of uh, Super Bowl loose ends? We have some data from that um, that's come out this week. It's pretty, pretty, pretty astounding. 
Yeah, what do you think about this ratings news? I mean, they're saying, okay, the Super Bowl is the most watched telecast since the moon landing. That's the headline that I've read. Alternately, some before the headline, you know, that it's the most watched yeah. scheduled telecast ever. Then, of course, I've seen since then, you know, the naysayers are saying, oh, it's only, you know, 37% of the U.S. population. Back then it was... 65% of the U.S. population, you know, watch the, you know, whatever. It's just, this is, I mean, frankly, are we surprised when it was these teams, this Taylor Swift effect? I, I mean, I think we could have predicted this and put some money on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's not super surprising in a way other than just that the ratings. For, for them to be so high as to be able to say, that it's not just the highest watched Super Bowl ever, but the highest watched event at yeah. a scheduled time, highest watched event since the moon landing. Um, part of me wants to like go poke around the internet until I find some real wild conspiracy theorist who's like, it's the most watched since the moon landing, which didn't happen because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they wanted people to watch it because of Taylor Swift, but you know, like just like some mishmash <laughs> of different insane. Kind of conspiracies uh, that could be kind of entertaining. Go back and look uh, at the ads that were around that that moon landing. Who 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 paid for all of this? Yeah, <laughs> the moon landing was staged by uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Exactly, you know, but he he's such a perfectionist. He had to actually go to the moon to do it. Um. <laughs> anyhow, I did watch the Super Bowl. I presume you watched the Super Bowl. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. I did. Yes, every every, every minute of it. Good game. Came. I was I was rooting for the 49ers. Yeah, as, as was I. Um, but uh shocker, my teenage daughter was not. If, if, if I know that oh, yeah. surprise you. <laughs> Even more than that, I was rooting for Brock Purdy. Yeah. Personally. Exactly. Like to me, Brock Purdy is still a feel good, uh, you know, Mr. Irrelevant makes the yes. Super Bowl story. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Anyway. And then of course there's the ads during the Super Bowl. Yes. You know, talk about the ads. Something grabbed me. I mean, obviously the the movie trailers get all the hype and get all the buzz, and we got several new things there. Deadpool and Wolverine got all of this hype. We got a a, uh, a quiet place tra trailer. All these interesting trailers. Only two shows got trailers during the Super Bowl: Knuckles, the Paramount Plus Sonic animated spinoff. That uh, you know, sure they've had a couple of successful movies and should be fine. And then I was kind of surprised that speaking of FX. FX spent $7 million to promote Shogun, which comes out later this month. Um, yeah. I don't know. If I was to pick a show that was coming out, maybe there just aren't many options, I guess. But I don't know. They're all, all in on this show. Clearly, they want it to be their Game of Thrones. Yeah. I right? so. Like, I think that's, if we can still put it that way, which probably they do in their own meetings. Um, you know, I did also see some stuff. The FX guy. I should have his name at the ready, and I don't. Apologies to FX head of programming guy. Um, I'm <laughs> referring to multiple times. Well, I don't remember saying. But I was seeing where he also said something like, "Well, we need to find, we need to find new hits. You know, shows are ending, shows are wrapping up. It's the end of peak TV." Where this is the same guy I think who coined the phrase "peak TV." I really should know his name. Apologies. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're going for. I don't know. The show looks fairly cool, I guess. I mean, I, I, are you uh, excited for this one? I'm on the fence. I, I mean, 
I, I suppose if I don't have really anything else in the queue, I would I would check this out. I, I just have so much, I guess what I would label is genre television that I'm trying to keep up on and so many things to keep it in, in mind. This is just not doesn't jump out to me, but I guess I understand your point that FX sort of wants its genre hit, you know, a, a Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones type type uh adventure and maybe this will be it i i can't say i'm i'm dying for it to come out yeah i mean me neither i'm sure it'll be pretty good is the yeah. thing like that's, that's probably gonna be entertaining it's probably gonna be you know worth watching it'll be really interesting to see how popular it is and all yeah. uh, and all of that you know once it does come out as you say they did spend however much money millions of dollars million dollars to let us know what's coming so they are they are all in all right one more thing here before we move on did you yeah. catch Don stewart this week i did all right did you, uh, you watch it i did i did watch it um i found it interesting that um he is <laughs> he made no one happy um after this after this show because he's doing what he did eight years ago which is Basically going out, you know, in 2016, he was talking about how bad both Trump and Clinton were. Now he goes on and the first thing he talks about is how bad Biden is as a candidate and then how bad Trump is as a candidate. Again, your politics are your politics, but he uh, was entertaining, but he's getting it from both sides now. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I did see a number of people giving positive reviews. You know, I yeah, did see a number certainly. of people saying like, oh, you know, it's great to see Jon Stewart back on our screens. Like, I didn't realize um how i'd missed his presence as the host of this show mm -hmm. um and i felt that you know i i did enjoy it and a mix of nostalgia and whatever at play and i was entertained definitely the man might ask um but yeah i mean I, yeah i don't know it goes in a different direction to start assessing the politics of it you know certainly i've seen criticisms because the bit was about the age thing yes. you know yes. primarily and um i guess personally i do share the worry to some degree which is i'll clarify i'm putting political <laughs> cards on the table here a little bit i'm not so much worried about biden's age as i am worried about people being worried about biden's age so like i can feel where some of those critiques are coming from from the democrats yeah. but at the same time i just have to say like you can't just tell people to shut up that's not how it works you know you have to say john stewart it is a bit it's fundamentally right you have to actually do something to uh address it or get people to forget about it or or move forward right you can't just say oh he's sharp as attack in all of our meetings you know as, as, as stewart quipped on the um on the program do you have video of that? Because maybe yeah, you yeah. should, you know, show that. So he, I think he has a point. Um, I don't know what I think overall. It was really interesting. It was cool to see him back. And then I proceeded to not watch it the rest of the week. No. So and this and this is exactly what happened. They had their highest ratings in five years. It was uh I mean a huge swell of audience in that first day, which I presume it will be every Monday for the rest of this rest of this year. And then yeah, they get there you know, their assortment of other other anchors, as it were, to to cover this show. And it's the rest of us just fine. You know, everybody's going to tune in on Mondays. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe it'll ultimately suck it, me in to more. It's also the case, though, that I'd kind of stopped watching The Daily Show for a while. Um, I did watch it with Trevor Noah at the beginning. I thought, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give this guy a chance. And I had that kind of habit of watching The Daily Show. I continued for a while. Um, and then I just kind of stopped at some point. And I don't know if it's because they stopped putting it on Hulu or if I canceled my Hulu or what. But it's not on Hulu, I don't think, anymore. It's on Paramount+. Plus. We if you want to stream it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. He'll 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 continue to get good ratings the rest of this year, and then who knows if he'll can continue after that. But uh, just found found it interesting that they wanted more viewers, and at least with for one night a week, they're going to get them. They got him. They got him. So, what else uh, besides Daily Show are you catching up on these days? Uh, let's go to um, in terms of what I'm watching. So, I mentioned uh, I mentioned the floor. Uh, many weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like game shows. And I have I continue to watch the floor. They come one episode comes out a week and I have to wait for it and so on. Uh and and this kind of led me to start saying, like, eh, what other game shows are on here? Because I want to watch a game show. Uh so I checked out this show called Snake Oil. You ever see this? You ever hear of this? I've never heard of this. I, I purposely did not look it up and I was just trying to predict what snake oil was. What do you think I, it is? is game, 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 game show did not jump into my. It's a game head. show that did not jump into my register. I assumed it was some kind of like, um, you know, dark drama about a sort of back alley fixer or something that you know he's he's sort of the works with people to I don't know to to, to get things get things done. But uh, that's <laughs> doesn't sound like where we're going with this. No, not 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 at all. You're familiar with the <laughs> phrase, the idiom, as it were, snake oil. Yes. Yes. Um, so this show is hosted by David Spade, who doesn't seem terribly excited to be there, (laughs) (laughs) but he's fine. And that's kind of his, his bit anyway. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if it's great. I was, um, in the first episode I watched, I was a little unsure about it. And then I decided to watch more and I kind of got into it more. The basic setup is. So they um, have contestants. They pair each contestant with a celebrity advisor, as it were. It's like, because okay. Rob Riggle knows about business or whatever. Um, and then they have um, products, some of which are fake and some of which are real. Right. Okay. So the fake ones are the snake oil. And um, basically the contestants have to determine, they have to, determine which what which product's fake and which one's real um and they have uh-huh. people on stage that they can ask questions and um the thing i wasn't sure about at first is they have infomercials for the products but the infomercials are all fake they're all produced by the show Boy. so that just is more of a conceit for entertainment value you know you can't read into the infomercial but um so snake oil salesman the, okay I, i'm getting the We've reached the end of ideas, have we not? I don't... It's kind of like Shark Hunt, <laughs> but some of the products are fake. And the point is to figure out what products are fake. And you know, I don't know. I found it to be, I found it to be watchable. Ultimately, I kind of, okay. you know, um, got on board with the fact that the infomercials are really comedy sketches, and that's just what they are. Yes. You, you can't decide anything based on that. Uh, and then the game is again you try to figure out whether um, the one product or the other is um, the fake product. 
And so, of course, the real products are also outlandish, you know, like they're they're finding real products or services or whatever that are on the line of where you think, I don't know, that might be fake, you know. Like, um, give me an example of one that was real then. Uh, see, I can't even remember, like, was the whiskey made with venison real? I, I think it was, <laughs> you know, um, but like it, it is often like kind of... <clears throat> on the line where, where you're often not you're not generally positive I you see. know okay but you make an informed guess they make an informed guess and then um, so I, I guess david spade's talk show must have gotten canceled or something for him to be, be doing this i guess i don't know i don't know for sure and i don't know if they're going to make more snake oil there's there's a whole season on hulu okay. and, and that's it so anyway what about oh, you what are you watching boy. yeah now just continuing uh uh going back through a couple of shows i'm on the fifth season of game of thrones so i'm getting near the end of you know the good stuff i am moving through friday night lights and then you know we had episode two of of uh curb your enthusiasm which this past week holy moly um i will I, i'm gonna presume that you haven't seen it i i i need i should just start watching it okay so i, I i'll just say for those of you i will never look at lawn jockeys the same way again that's the there there's my five word summary of this of this episode oh dear yeah it's it's uh i, I mean this show just it, it, it's I, I watch it and i think gosh this was episode two so there's probably eight left and every time it finishes i think this is too much at its peak right now to be ending yeah. like it's too good to end um but man it's just it, it continues to deliver deliver every week yeah, we mentioned we've talked about this before. I should just get over the idea that I have to quote unquote <laughs> catch up because I'm yeah. not going to find time to do that. I yeah. should just start watching the final season so I can. Yeah, be with um, there's a little the piece of something that's carried over from season eleven. It's not that important, um, but yeah, if you want to power through eleven and then catch up on on these two, like I said, they're 31 minutes each, right? So it's right. not a fun lift. I didn't read up about what I missed or whatever. It's not yeah. like really concerned yeah. with spoilers. It is very weird to me. We're, we're going to talk about True Detective very soon. But like, I saw something also this week that was saying that Part 5 had the highest rating so far. Okay, but like, did are there people who just jumped in with Episode 5? <laughs> bizarre i don't know yeah i don't know there's got to be there's got to be some people who who yeah read to catch up or something and say oh i want to be involved when the finale comes around i I think they 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 must be just you know calculating the ratings within the window of the premiere weekend or week or whatever when they yeah i saw that one point i think these things calculate like air date plus three or something like that you know something captured within three days yeah um beyond that I started watching Constellation. Now, we're going to talk about Constellation on the podcast. Um, It's not out yet. It comes out on Wednesday the 21st. So starting next week, we're going to start digging into that. And can't say too much here because the show's not out yet. But it did pass the date for preseason reviews. So Mm. you can say something. Um, I think it's good. (laughs) And uh, they're they're starting out with three episodes. And... I guess the other thing I wanted to say is just um, to people who are thinking about watching this show or maybe start watching it. This is one where I really did kind of think that the three episode premiere makes sense 
And it kind uh-huh. of wasn't until the end of the third episode that it really got its hooks in me, but it did by the end of that third hour. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So I, I mean, I think I told you I have the screeners for this now. I'm going to power through. Uh, we will be podcasting about the first three episodes. I'm trying to just do a quick scan now to see if we know how many episodes will be in the season. But that that's good to know. You know, I think not... there, I think there are only eight overall. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You and I have mixed feelings about, um, well, we're aligned on the fact that, you know, dumping a whole bunch at once is not our favorite thing to do, but if, it's good to know it makes sense that they're doing it that way. Yeah, and I mean, I, I also do have this kind of stodgy view that you should be able to get the work done in one episode in order to <laughs> hook us, you know? Yeah. Um, but okay, um, they're, they're premiering three the first week. I mean, I thought it was good from the beginning. I was entertained enough. Yeah, but it was kind of um, it kind of operates without giving you as much as you might want in terms of bearings, and you know, getting into episode three and the end of episode three, I felt like okay, I I kind of feel like now I, I realized what the show's about, and I'm starting to formulate the right questions. Um, so i think it's good we'll talk about it down here hopefully people will watch along with us and you know listen to the podcast each week as we work through constellation on apple tv plus all right well before we get there let's finish up true detective night country all right yes so true detective night country season four episode six aka part six um as per usual we'll pop in a little music here on the other side of that interlude Spoilers on the table now for all of True Detective Night Country through the finale and also potentially elements of previous seasons of True Detective. So we'll see you in about 10 seconds. All right, welcome back. Again, talking about the finale of True Detective Night Country, part six. Spoilers ahead for the finale. This episode directed by Issa Lopez. Everything that I can find says written by Issa Lopez. That's what IMDb says. The official page does not list a writer, but we believe this is also written by Issa Lopez. Um, We start off part six, where part five ended with Danvers and Navarro set off to explore the ice caves they learned about from Otis while Pete stays behind at Danvers' house to clean up the two dead bodies of Otis and his father. And a whole lot of blood he's got to take care of. I have some notes later about his cleaning um, abilities and some things that he uses, so we'll get there. Uh, but yeah. we got some, I have some advice for him. Um, <laughs> Pete does need to have to enlist Rose to help get rid of his dad's body, um, which he's very coy about this, but somehow him being coy about some dangerous thing he has to do makes Kayla want him to come back. So they're going to try to reconcile after... He dumps some bodies, you know, very romantic thing. Yeah. Uh, while at the while at the caves, both Dammers and Navarro fall through the ice, uh, thinking that they are stuck, but they actually end up in an area that's been set up as part of a research station that tunnels back through to the Salal station. While in these tunnels, they find Raymond Clark, track him back to Salal, where they eventually capture him. They tie him up. And just mercilessly torture him with audio of Annie and then beat him until he gives a confession. He does come clean about the whole story about Annie. Annie found that station that was proving the increased pollution from the mine could 
help the likelihood that the soil researcher would succeed in their work being done on some of these um, microorganisms that would help um, with diseases and the like. Uh, Annie destroys this, this, all this research and what she finds, but the other men find her, capture her eventually after they really do a number on her. Clark is the one who inevitably does kill her. After learning this news, Navarro does kill Raymond Clark. Um, there's a bit of a sort of brief falling out between Danvers and Navarro, but Danvers wakes up. She can't find Navarro. She tracks her outside. We believe she's either having some sort of hallucination or seeing something that she's going after. She tracks her outside and Danvers falls through the ice into the water. Navarro is able to save her. She helps her warm up. The two begin to repair their bond that was fractured so many years ago. In this moment, Navarro tells Danvers about her visions of Danvers' son, Holden. The two discover, after going back in to try to find out what happened to the men at Salal, they discover some handprints on the opening of the tunnels, which leads them to the group of Native women in town. In a series of flashbacks, we learn that those women were the ones responsible for attacking the men at Salal, forcing them to go outside, forcing them to strip off their clothes, putting them out in the tundra where they all froze to death. Uh, they eventually do find... Uh, they eventually do find Clark as well. Uh, Danvers, Navarro, and Pete successfully are able to cover up the bodies that they have left all over Ennis. And we flash forward to May after the long night is over, where they seem to have successfully evaded any suspicion about wrongdoing, suspicion about these deaths. And the last thing we see is Navarro hiding out of what looks like a lake property that belongs to Danvers, left open to our interpretation of what happened to the two of them. Did they reconcile? Are they both okay? What is their future left open to our interpretation? This is a lot. This was a 75-minute runtime for this finale. So where should we begin? Yeah. Um, I you say left open to interpretation. So that'll be interesting to talk about. But let's let's hold off on that a little bit. Part of why we're saying this to everyone who's listening is we seem to have interpreted it in different ways. So, so. We'll, we'll, we'll talk it through. I think that'll be a good bit. Uh, maybe start with thoughts on the runtime. I mean, as you mentioned, it's 75 minutes. Did it feel to you like it needed to be 75 minutes? It felt to me like maybe it needed to be seven or eight episodes. I saw some rumblings around that maybe this once used to be eight episodes. I tried, tried to trim it down. So they fit a lot into this 75 minutes. I think there's a little bit of fluff, a little bit of stuff that could have been trimmed around the edges. Um it seemed like maybe there was some repetition, particularly as they were in the station, sort of doing the same things over again. So yeah, I could have seen this sort of expanding or trimming a little, expanding significantly or trimming it a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, my my primary thought was it could have been tightened up. Yeah, and that they were just, you know, giving them 75 minutes. They wanted 75 minutes, and maybe the in maybe this is one of those instances where it would have been good if the network had been like you need to get to 60 minutes, you know, and then, and then maybe let them have 65 or something. Um, just because some of the scenes were very protracted, you know, some of the dialogue kind of went further than it needed to. It was like, okay, I get yeah. the point. You don't need to keep saying things back and forth. Um, these are minor quibbles. Um I always like to get my minor quibbles out of the way first, yeah. you know, but I did have that on this where I was kind of like, I don't really think this needed to be 75 minutes. Now, as you say, you could have 
expanded things out further, I could see that as well. We wanted to do a whole nother episode or two, um, particularly since we didn't hit on, you know, some of the characters, they just don't show up. Yeah, that's one of the things I wish that, you know, if there had been an extra episode or two, what happened with Topic? All he does is get his toothbrush back, and what what happened to him? Where were Connolly and Kate in this episode? They're like mastermind behind some sort of conspiracy. What's happening to them? It looks like the mine closed, but what's the ramifications? Is Connolly the mayor now of of this town, right? We had nothing in that in in this episode, so I would have appreciated sort of, yeah, some trimming or some, let's really sort of blow this up a little bit more and get some, some, some depth of this stuff. Yeah, the way that the, there's the time jump towards the end covers over where you would have gotten a further confrontation between Danvers and Connolly, between Danvers yep. and Kate. Um, we don't actually see the fallout of the Clark video, which is given to us um, a- after the time jump with the implication that the mine is closed and so on yep. in the intervening period. Yeah, I mean, you, you could have expanded that out uh, a bit and I would have been all for it. Um, equally, in a way, you know, I, I, I did think it was important for us to mention the stuff about Holden. Yeah. But overall, I mean, because the finale ties up that threat, basically. But... Overall, I don't know that I feel like that did a whole lot of work in this story. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that I, I really went back and forth on this one specific point that I need to see what happened to him, what happened to her, to Danvers' spouse or partner, or you know, what was the immediate effects of that happening? Why does Holden? continue to appear to Navarro, just a sort of a, a messenger back to Danvers. Okay. And, and so, yeah, I've come on, back and forth on that a lot. The messenger back to Danvers, but the, the message is, I see you. Yeah, yeah. It's not, there's not a lot to that. I think um, if you're going to make this seven or eight episodes, this is a key thing that needs to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, there's some moments, like she steps on the glass and kind of has a flashback. There's some other kind of weird stuff like i think there's a hubcap rolling down the hallway at the small station at one point yes but that along with the oranges kind of just feels like vibes yeah it it did feel like vibes i saw something somebody wrote something interesting about the end the last thing you see every week in the opening credits is a picture of like the key moment of the episode so like in part five, it was the area where Hank and Kate go and meet and talk about or what they did. But this one, it was this hubcap rolling through and falling on the ground. So again, maybe not the most important part of the episode, but something that you're going to want to pay attention to. Yeah. And this was, you know, we understand, okay, Holden and I guess Danvers' spouse died in some kind of drunk driving accident. That's why she was so passionate and angry about it back in part one. Um, but did it do enough? Did the spiral that we see on the ice, the spiral we see the orange, do enough to? I think we talked about how we would, that would likely be left open to interpretation. But just yeah, just either give it to us or not give it to us. Or it's just vibes, and the vibes work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, so it doesn't bother me a whole lot. Like all the stuff with the oranges. The oranges are this recurring, yes. uh, recurring. Um, 
signifier that that that, that kind of doesn't really point to anything, right? There's mm-hmm. no real signified, as it were, like what is the um, what is the orange doing? I'm fundamentally okay with that, you know. I guess yeah. it's yeah. just um, yeah, like we 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 predicted this. We, we talked about how there would be. I think we were using the word terrestrial answers to sort of mysteries we need to solve. The things that have been through-lined from season one all the way to now, right? We don't get anything about Tuttle. We don't get anything about sort of really the origin or what these spirals mean or do. We got sort of what they symbolize to people. But some of these things that they're likely going to be bringing up season to season are left open to, we want to have more of it, so we're not going to give you everything. Yeah, it's not super surprising. I guess the point with the Holden stuff ultimately was to be, on the one hand, to kind of symbolize Danvers trauma, as it were, or something like that. Why is she hurt and broken? Why is she the way that she is? And I guess we were supposed to take her as kind of healing or coming around to a peace of mind or ability to move forward in light of what happened and in light of the conversation with Navarro and light of I mean, do you agree that that's kind of how it was supposed to go? Yeah, I think that that was certainly a, a device for that to um, to happen. I think we have the identical reads on on that part in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I guess I'm saying maybe I'm just saying I don't know how well it worked for me. Yeah. Um, ultimately, how well that landed. Um, number of other things to hit on. We mentioned. We don't see Kate. We don't see Connolly. We do again see when they get back into Salah Ferris, Bueller's on the TV again. What's that about? Yeah, I, I think that this was a question I had sort of mentally prepared for you. Do we have an explanation of exactly why we get so much twist and shout? Was that playing during Holden's accident? Do we know that? Do we, is that just left open to our interpretation as well? I think it was pretty left open. You know, yeah. we we speculated that Danvers really hates the song or hates the Beatles for a reason related to that. And mm-hmm. I don't know that that was confirmed. Um, I don't think it was. We had the song popping up a few times, as we noted, mm-hmm. that Wheeler was whistling it. It was in the end credits of a part four. I think it was yep. in the end credits of part four, a cover version. Um, and again, the scenes on the TV... Yeah. Does Raymond Clark just really like that scene? Like, is he watching it on repeat on purpose? Is that our explanation here? I, I think that, and maybe we should have picked up on this from the very first few moments of part one, that this whole, this whole area, this whole show, this whole, you know, sort of long night just sort of sets up this sense of disorientation to have something like that. That's kind of that visceral on repeat over and over and over and over again. Reminds me of like, you know, the the scenes and loss where they would put people in front of the screens and they were trying to do cognitive therapy on them. They would force their eyes open to watch this stuff. It's sort of like Clark's gone off the deep end. So he's just going to sh- keep showing himself this this thing over and over. You know, I have no idea if it's anywhere near that or if it has something to do with Danvers' past or both. But yeah, just, yeah, one of these things where we're going to have to just speculate what we think. Yeah, indeed. Um, we do get an explanation of what happened. Yes. 
And I, you know, I did want to, you know, I kind of feel the need to note, I, I sort of called it. <laughs> you sort of called it. <laughs> I would claim. By she, you mean lots of, lots of she's. Well, no, no, I mean, the, I don't know um, what I had in mind in particular. If you recall, when you were talking about the very first episode, one of the notes I made was, I feel like the stuff about the polluted water is going to be central to the mystery and a clue to yeah. unlocking it. That's what I had in mind. It was like, I was right yeah. when I said to pay attention to that. The, I, I am the farthest thing you can find from a scientist. I, I would love to know the you know, who consulted on this, that pollution can make the permafrost such that the microbiology work. I, I mean, how in the world does that? Sure. Okay, I'll accept it. I didn't even attempt to do any research on this. I just presume this is totally made up. Exactly. This is just totally made up. It's a premise. But maybe there is something, you know, maybe yeah. there was some inspiring um, article published or something like that. Maybe we should have looked into it or tried to. But um, the ultimate idea that they could only get this microbe out because yeah. of the pollution um that seems totally made up to me it softened up the permafrost so it allowed them to dig to, to i was like well why don't you just anyway <laughs> i won't pretend to... that's another thing we don't get any resolution about really because according to the scientists this microbe or whatever could like cure all disease in the world you know <laughs> good job cool, Amber. Cool. good job annie you ruined you ruined that cool stuff like that but no annie destroyed the first batch, but they got more, so I don't think that got destroyed, unless That's they destroyed true. it afterwards. Hopefully, some some benefactor, maybe the Tuttle Corporation, has saved all the good things, and we'll, you know, they'll they'll go cure cure all all of humanity now for the work being done. That is a question, you know that uh, that you know. So they've gotten this through immoral means. Yes, I presume we're all agreed on that. Is it then like is it okay to use their research? You know, I mean, <laughs> there are real world correlates here. You know, like if um, the scientific research was done by the Nazis, you yeah. sort of like, well, <laughs> we can't pay attention to that because <laughs> those were Nazi scientists. You know, <laughs> you can be I, real world. I'm gonna let that one just dangle out there. I'll let you have let you have that that comment. Oh, I don't have a line on it. I mean, that could be like a whole. Maybe like a whole session of a healthcare ethics, you know, course or something like that as a question. But I did think of it here. Um, and I guess it is something to ponder each in your own mind, you know, when yeah. we learn Annie destroyed their research. Yes. Um, how do you feel about that as yeah. it were? Right. Because there is a certain point. Some like Clark has a point to some degree. That hey, this is really valuable research. Shutting down the mine and stopping the pollution is one thing. Yeah, destroying the research that came from the th the way they were enabling the pollution is potentially yeah. a separate thing as a question. That's what I'm trying to kind of. Yeah, we just we're you know this. We're opening up the trolley car problem. We're opening up the you know Kirk versus Spock. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. You know how you get there is 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 less important uh th th this is you know annie assembled on some important topics here yeah and look i'm not i'm not saying go ahead and pollute and kill babies so right. you can do that. no i mean some could make that argument i'm not i'm not making that argument i'm just posing the question of well they've already done it 
Yes. And now you've got their research. Is there a problem with using that research that was gotten immorally, or should we instead be like, well, we've got the research, we should run with it? Yep. It's a question, question. and it's a question they pose. It's a question that yeah deserves deserves discussion, but uh, different podcast probably. Yeah, I just wanted to pose the question. (laughs) Um, A number of questions are kind of left open, though. The one that probably bothered me the most was the tongue. I really, especially when we saw her looking at the ground and what looked like there's still a, a some residue on the ground from the tongue. Yeah. First of all, how was that still there? Second of all, it it sounds like maybe Hank cut out the tongue when he moved the body as a way to maybe throw the scent off of what happened there. But then you know Raymond says they didn't do that. So who else could it have been? But that's not even the full question. Let's say Hank did cut yeah. her tongue out when he moved the body. How did it get into Salal six years later? Yeah, exactly. The, 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 I guarantee you, obviously we're recording this before this comes out, there is going to be an interview that comes out next week with Isa Lopez that someone's going to ask this question. And we're going to see if she tries to answer it, she deflects it. But yeah, this is, this is a question we have to... There was this... This was the thing that opened the door in part one to, well, something is really wrong in this in in, in Alaska. You know, okay, you got all the men; they're they're dead, right? But why is there then a random woman's tongue inside their station? Yeah, this is it's like did he just keep it in his pocket as a you know souvenir. You know, was Hank ever there? You know, I, I, just, I have no answers. She's not going to tell us. Someone might ask her in an interview, but she's not going to tell us. At least I hope she doesn't. Yeah, I think that would be like, but I I would expect if someone does ask her, she'll say something like, well, some things just remain a mystery. (laughs) And and that's what you should say, because if you wanted to answer this question, you should have done it in the show. Yeah. The scene here in the finale that you reference is interesting in being there because it's it's like further confirmation that, yeah, no, that tongue really was there. Look, there's still some residue remember yeah i find myself wondering i was like well what is that residue but i mean maybe it's just saliva or whatever but the fact that it's a tongue from six years ago why is it still wet why is it leaving a residue what again how did it get there and yeah if this is Chekhov's tongue like why are we going back and referencing where it was if we're not going to have any sort of resolution to that yeah but yeah but it's not Chekhov's tongue or at least, if 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 you want to make that reference, Issa Lopez has violated the rule. She's <laughs> violated Chekhov's rule, which is right. That's where this comes from. Chekhov says, if you introduce a gun in the first act, it has to be has to go off by the third act or whatever. You know, yeah. um, no, you introduce the tongue in the first act, and yeah. <laughs> just a mystery. Yeah, just a just a mystery tongue. We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, I had a couple other other. You know, quibbles and things that maybe that not necessarily that weren't tied up, but that uh, just didn't sit right with me. First of all, we got to get Pete some help with the the, the cleanup. I mean, <laughs> like smearing blood on yeah. the mirrors and the walls. I no. mean, Ryan, I googled <laughs> oh, that no. Formula Four Hundred Nine <laughs> does a good job cleaning up blood. So oh. I don't know what your problem is. But he has like a third of a bottle of it. I mean, he's just like got one sponge. He just this is just 
is not going to go well. I don't know how they escape from all this. He ultimately seemed to do a good job. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You need way more. Um, need some industrial cleaner, some bleach, some something. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. You know, what do you do with all that blood? You use the one sponge. You got to wash out that sponge all the time. So, yeah, the presentation is not exactly realistic. And then what was stuck on the wall? Was that a bullet? It, it was, was like kind of weird. It could have been a bullet. I, I mean, one point I thought it was a tooth. I mean, it, yeah, I, I bet it was a bullet or a bullet fragment or something. It was kind of weird because when he pulled it off, then the wall looked fine. Yeah. So I was thinking that it was a bullet that had hit the wall, but then when you pulled it off, you wouldn't think the wall would look just fine underneath it. So yeah. Um, well, this this does one reason why I think you could get away with this is it goes back to another one of my sort of little questions about this show is I, I don't get the impression, particularly if. You know, well, if Danvers is in charge of this investigation, okay, well, we know how that's going to go. If it's not, I don't think there's great, like, detectiving done, being done in this show, except by Pete. Pete is the one always uncovering the truth, finding the thing online, you know, got to the bottom of the tax returns. I mean, really, I think the only important thing that Danvers and Navarro do, particularly in this last episode, is notice the handprint with the three, three fingers. Like, that leads them somewhere. But their, their detective work is relied on a heroin junkie that, that you know leads them somewhere where they fall through the ice that was that was the extent of it that's true because it, it was also pete who discovered otis in his research as someone yep. who had similar injuries to the slaw yep. researchers um Pete, pete's on top of it and you know i guess if peter nambers are responsible for the investigation of what happened to hank then hey no problem to cover it up pete's the true detective that's right. <laughs> um, Good night, folks. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right, see you um, <laughs> yeah, but then it, you did get me thinking about okay, well, who's who's going to be investigating uh, what happened to Hank? Yeah, this you is the police police department that has like three people, except when there's a protest in the mine, and then they have access to like a full riot squad somehow. You know, on 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 christmas eve to put that down you know i just yeah the state troopers i guess they were i mean i guess we do get an answer of who's investigating it's the internal affairs guy at the end who's interviewing danvers exactly you know um but it definitely um overall definitely feels like they're getting away with it um the mind's been shut down through the magic of the um i don't know i don't want to be too glib here this is a trope in a lot of things. So you've got the Clark video. Yeah. Right. Which apparently Navarro must have taken in between when he basically said he wanted to die. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it must have been in between that and when he did die. Yeah. That's that's my read on. Yeah. So I mean, you said in her summary that she killed him. I think that's fair, but it also did seem he wanted to die. So there's a wrinkle there. And maybe this was the deal like, okay, I'll kill you or let you die if you first record this video that explains what was going on with the pollution, slaw, the mine's involvement, and all of that, you know. I think that's an extremely fair and probably accurate assumption of, of what happened, yeah. That, that that was how I took it. I think that's right. But th that's not the trope. The trope is, because this video was released, no more problems. They They shut down the mine, you know. No, no more pollution, at least, yeah. or or what yeah. have you. Um, and as as you said, there's a whole, I mean, decades worth of 
valuable resource there that uh, is now just what sitting there or rotting away or someone else has it. We just, we don't know. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I guess my point is just that in the real world, things are far messier. There yeah. would be a question about what happens to the research. <laughs> there would be ways in which Kate and so on pushed back and the mind pushed back and, yeah. you know, a lot of messy details where um, you often get this kind of thing, which I didn't really expect from this show, as we mm -hmm. mentioned last week. This is about as close to a happy ending as possible with regard to the pollution stuff, at least. Yeah. That because this video was released, you know, it had that effect. Um, yeah. Where the I, things went that simply in the real world, I guess is all. Yeah. And, and I think that, that this is one of the clear areas where this was definitely a part of this story that Issa Lopez had particularly as sort of the win for the, 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 the locals, the natives of this area, you, you know, this had to have been sort of the resolution all along that she was able to craft a detective story around it. This was the point she wanted to get to where there could be that. So we won scenario for, um, for the women, the people that are native to that area. Yeah, or I'm sure at least her original idea was about the slow men, how they died, and the solution being that it was the Native women who came in and killed them once they found out what they'd been doing in order to pollute the water and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and all of that works. Um, so let's talk about Navarro a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, she has the visions of Holden. I want to start there. Because um, you put in the notes that she can see the dead, right? It's not <laughs> hallucinations. So that, that's your read on all of this? It, it, it is. I think it's now my read that that is an ability or whatever you want to call it for Navarro that also her sister and mother shared. There was a sense of the mother and sister didn't know how to deal with it, come to grips with what was happening to them, what they're seeing, why they're seeing it. Um, I don't want to say that Navarro is, you know, that she's Haley Joel Osment from the sixth sense that she sort of has a purpose for seeing these people, but that she can reconcile the fact of where she is and what she is about and allows her to be able to do this. And she can be this sort of interlocutor in some ways for, for the dead and the living in this, yeah. in this area where the barrier is so thin between the two. Yeah. I mean, it seems pretty well grounded with regard to the Holden stuff because the mm -hmm. clear indication is that, she never met Holden and should not have any idea what he looks like or anything yeah. like that. Um, I think it's still ambiguous if you don't want to take that conclusion. She had some visions of some kid that she thought was Holden and, you know, maybe it was all a hallucination still. I think you could read it that way still. Yeah. Um, in the comments on um, YouTube, actually, uh, we were asking in the one about who they were seeing, like who did Julia see under the bed? Um, at least someone claimed that Julia saw their mother under the bed, and then we know that because of the cross necklace. Maybe that checks out. Then they claimed that at the end of that episode, it was Julia that Novaro saw, which I don't know. It just it, it, it didn't yeah. really. It, it's hard. To, there's no clear answer to that. I think it's left open ambiguously and purposefully. We don't know exactly what it is she's seeing and why she's seeing it. Maybe until this semi-resolution here in the finale of of what she's seeing. Yeah, and what does it mean? Yeah, you know. So if it was her mother, let's say, okay, no, actually, this is good. I've got a line that just occurred to me. Go back to the Wheeler case. 
because that was another one. Maybe that was her mother. What does it signify? Well, we've learned from the backstory that um, uh, their father was abusive. Yes. Right? That got in there. And they indeed, um, their mother took them to Alaska to get away from the abusive father. So here you have Wheeler, a similarly abusive man who's just killed his wife and so on. And we do learn in the finale that it was Navarro who shot him in the head. Yeah. So maybe the mother is there sort of presiding over or giving permission for that to happen because, you know, this is what we do to people like this. Got to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose, I suppose. Bigger question is, okay, so what happens to Navarro? And it seems like we interpreted this in um, different ways as we watched the episode. Um, you think she's alive and hiding out. Is that, that that's your read? I, I think so. We have no indication that and I think maybe to do this sort of frame by frame in this final scene of the uh, of the episode, no indication that Danvers can can see or commune with or have any sort of appreciation for someone who's there with her who is who is dead like Navarro could. Right, but they also don't interact, as I recall. They don't, inter- they don't interact. There, and it's like Navarro walks out behind her onto the uh, veranda or porch yeah. or whatever. And I took that as sort of as just for the first time in six or seven years, they have some peace. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, there's no necessarily contradiction. There's nothing to keep them apart. There's nothing to fracture them. They just have peace together. Um, and that Danvers is sort of hiding her out there, or she's staying there whilst you know things things sort out a little bit. Yeah. So maybe here's my here's the question because I read this making inferences along the way. I guess I think it is not entirely clear. But what do we see? I think we do see Navarro, Navarro um, walking out into the cold. Well, you know, whatever. Maybe she's just out for a walk. Um, fine. But we see Danvers finding um, the polar bear on Navarro's bed, which has been stripped of its sheets and so on. Underneath the polar bear is the phone that has the Clark video on it. We see Kavik finding his SpongeBob SquarePants toothbrush that she's giving back to him. Yeah. All of this read to me like someone who was tying up all of the loose ends before suicide. Yeah. I I, I will say when I saw the toothbrush and the fact that oh, we're actually not going to get any Kavik and Navarro back together again, I did have the thought of yeah, this is sort of symptomatic of someone who's giving away their things, who is saying their final goodbyes, who is um, taking steps towards my, you know, where I want to be is with the people I can't be with anymore, sister, mother, you know, all those that have gone before mm-hmm. her. So I, I can certainly see the the read there. Um, and again, ask Isa Lopez, but she's going to say, you know, what do you think? It's your, it's your choice. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I'm on the record. I do not want the showrunner to answer questions outside of yeah. what we get. If it's ambiguous, amb- it's ambiguous. But I think this is ambiguous in an interesting way. Now, it is the case that Danvers says something to her prior to this, that if she does go out into the cold on the ice or whatever, please come back, whatever yeah. that line is exactly. So maybe, you know, Navarro did all of these things, went and hid out in the 
ice caves for a while or in the dredges or something yeah. uh, until things settled down and then did kind of sneak back. And then maybe you're right. She really is there. Danvers is hiding her and either buddies and so on and so forth, right? You could read it that way. But I think yeah. particularly since in that last scene, you don't see them interact. The door's open to a reading that this is the ghost of Navarro. And maybe we're really embracing that supernatural element to this degree that her ghost is really there looking over Danvers mm -hmm. um, and so on. Much like her mother and all the people that she saw throughout the course of this series did for for her in some way. Yeah. Although she's not, she doesn't look scary. She doesn't. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's why, maybe that tips the scales. Yeah. Um, all, right, all right, hold on real quick. Did you jump or were a little scared? Because I'll admit I was when the Raymond, when Raymond Clark popped up and they sort of shine a light on him at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that gave me a, a little, a, you know, a little jump scare. I will admit, you're a little, you're a little bit of that. <laughs> I mean, this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. My minor quibbles about the runtime and how I, I thought it could have been a little bit tighter. Um, part of that is that maybe it was just the mood I was in I was, as I was watching it. But for me, a lot of these scenes felt less tense than they could have been because they almost felt like they were given too much time. Yep. Or something like that. I don't know if others feel that way at all. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think especially in the conversations with Raymond Clark, it seemed to be the same thing said over and over again. A little bit, a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, I think we have uh, something else to hit on. To looking at our notes. I just, I just wanted to sh make sure we shout out Rose, who's found a very su successful second career as like a you know, body hider as a fixer, as a, you know, the guy who can get stuff done for, for the police when they can't do the underhanded stuff themselves. I mean, you just, you just call Rose, I guess. Yeah. Rose, who at least was the, let's say, paramour of <laughs> Travis Cole, Russ yeah. Cole's father from season one. This is good. I can say from this, this was the other thing I had in my notes. Any thoughts on the other callbacks to season one we get this episode? And in um, Night Country as a whole, um, as a whole, I, I thought they were sparsed out, and I was fine with the connections made for sort of interesting. How what can we go learn from before? Referencing Raymond Clark's "Time is a Flat Circle," I hated it. I really hated yeah, it. Yeah, I really did. When when he said "Time is a Flat Circle," I cringed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely did. I definitely did. It's another thing you could cut. See, we're getting it down to 60 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't like that. But there were a number of parallels. I, I do think, broadly speaking, it was more vibes and Easter eggs, which we thought might be the case. Yeah. Danvers is being interrogated at the end. Of course, in season one, it's all structured through yeah. um, that kind of uh, premise of uh, Rust and, uh, oh, what's the other guy's name? Marty. Marty being uh, interrogated. You did have the fact in season one that Rust uh, Rust had a daughter who was killed in a car accident. Here you've got Danvers, whose son was killed in a car accident. There's all sorts of stuff. Of course, the spirals yeah. and mentions of Tuttle and um, some of, things, some of those things I thought were a way to pay homage to that. Some of them were, were to try to connect the universe. Um, and on the whole, some of them worked work better than others for for me, I like the paying homage more than I like the 
we got to make sure you see enough spirals in this in this series. Yeah, and they could have maybe done a little bit more of the spiral. I mean, I don't know. And the the total organization thing is okay, but like so you need to start... line at this point. Yeah. There's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I might have liked a little bit more to suggest that behind the scenes there's a, an evil organization that wants to get this stuff out of the permafrost so they can do nefarious bad things with it yeah. and i just said that but i feel a little bit like i made it up i mean it <laughs> almost is there you yeah. know there, there's your there's your tension between what they you know what they discovered if it was sort of a it's on a, a razor's edge of we put it in the right hands could do good if we put it in the hands of the total organization it could be bad you know that type of thing yeah, you flesh that out a little bit more. They're going to make, you know, super soldiers or, I don't know, <laughs> X-Files reference. <laughs> the grand dropped X-Files plot line of the yeah. last two original seasons where they were like, they're making super soldiers, you know. <laughs> then they revive the X-Files and they just drop that. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, I think that about does it. Anything yeah. else we want to hit on? No, this is, no, we've hit on on a lot and i um i'm glad we've gone through this through this together this was a very good show to talk through um i will have a piece coming out sunday when this episode ends um try to get some thoughts together and put something coherent together off of a lot of information yes people should look out for that read that um well or it'll be out by the time you can listen to this podcast it'll be out so go to tvdobsessive.com be sure to read brian's recap and yeah, I mean, I agree. It's been great talking through the show with you, and I have enjoyed it a lot. I know I've presented some criticisms here, <laughs> but you know, so it goes. It doesn't mean the show is bad. I thought the show was actually really yeah. quite good. I really enjoyed watching it each week, thinking about it, and um, talking about it with uh, Ryan on the podcast. Hopefully, you all have enjoyed listening along with us. From here, we're going to go to Constellation. On Apple TV Plus. This will be the first show on Apple TV Plus, hopefully. Uh, if it's not on your radar, we'll take our recommendation to check it out and listen to the podcast as we talk about Constellation. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. You know, I yeah. mean, it'll be interesting to see how well the show lands, how popular it is, how interested people are in reading about it, listening to podcasts about it, and so on and so forth. Apple TV Plus has a good amount of science fiction. Mm -hmm. um it seems to vary a little bit though how much there is going on in terms of engagement with it yeah i'm excited to check it out i'm gonna plow through this weekend and look forward to talking with you about it next week good deal so we'll be back next friday will be the plan on that constellation comes out on wednesday um our current plan is to record and uh, publish the podcast on friday uh after it comes out each week in the meantime check out tvobsessive.com Check out our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Trying to continue to pump stuff out there in various ways, um, including little snippets of the podcast. I've, I've started doing mm -hmm. that a bit. Hopefully people enjoy that. Ever. Um, and yeah, follow us on social media, TV Obsessive, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Looking forward to it. See you then.